Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'd like to welcome you to episode 349 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, when I really ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. When I look at the Summer League, right, I have to understand what I'm looking at. I don't take much, and it's very, you really can't take much from the Summer League because a lot of the teams, a lot of the players that you see, they're probably not going to be on the NBA roster. They may not even make it to a G League roster. A lot of them will make it to a G League roster, but you're not getting the best brand of basketball because a lot of those players are not going to be there. That's why you see, I mean, I think you can have 10 fouls a game for one player. Like, it's just not that good basketball because, again, you're not seeing the top-tier talent play. So you really have to to damper your expectations while watching the Summer League. However, what can you get from the Summer League? You can see how some of the top players like, uh, you know, Brandon Miller and and some of the top draft picks, how they perform under – heightened competitive games you know what i'm saying like you're of course the summer league most of these players are better than college players so you want to see how the how the the new upcoming anthony black and and you know chet holmgren came back you want to see how they play and how they handle maybe a faster game a more physical game well for this summer league all eyes were on victor women young Everyone wanted to get a glimpse of Victor. Everyone wanted to see just how Victor was going to handle himself and how he looked. I mean, he was touted as the greatest prospect to come out since LeBron James. A lot of people are saying that he could be the greatest prospect of all time. The, I mean, yes, he, he, he looks good in France. He looks good playing for the, the team he played for. However... You want to see what he looks like under the NBA umbrella. So the Summer League is the first glimpse that we see. And I'll admit, going into it, I had concerns that I needed to be dispelled watching him play. Of course, I said it, I think, last episode. The concerns I had for Victor was, of course, you know, his 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 lateral speed because he's so tall. Um is he going to be able to really, especially when he gets switched on to a guard or when he gets switched on to a faster player, is he going to be able to keep up? Is he going to be able to move his feet fast enough because he's so tall? And, of course, his his build, his, his strength. He is a very skinny player. And I was, you know, I'm, I was interested to see just how he fares in a more physical game. And after playing two games and essentially being shut down for the Summer League, all the concerns that I had for Victor Wimbanyama are still there. However, I am more sure that when we look up three, four years from now, Victor Wimbanyama has the talent to be one of the best players in basketball. 
again, I yes, the, the, the concerns I have are still there. He's still a very skinny player, and I wonder how he'll fare against uh, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, against uh, Joel Embiid, against uh, Nikola Jokic against uh, Anthony Davis. Like, I want to see how he fares against bigger athletes. But the poise that he – I mean, he had a he had a very bad first game. I don't know if it was – it was probably jitters. You know, it's he's, he's touted up to be this all-time great before he even stepped on an NBA court. So it could have been the jitters. But the next game he had, what, 27 points. He was incredible. The concerns that I have for Victor Wimiyama don't overshadow, or don't, yeah, I guess you could say overshadow the, nothing's surety, let me say, nothing's a surety in basketball, nothing's a surety in sports, uh, one one slip can end a career, one hit can end a career, and I'm not wishing that upon anybody, so you don't know the path of a player, I mean, you look, we thought, when <laughs> We thought Derrick Rose's career was going to look drastically different than it did. I'm happy that it's had the link that he that it, that it's had so far, but we thought, you know, before the injury, we thought Derrick Rose's career was going to be drastically different. We thought, I mean, going into the draft, you thought Ge- Greg Oden's career was going to be drastically different. You never know what's going to happen in sports, but one thing I will say is. If it feels like the projections are right, and it feels like the pros the, the 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 people that are handing out these prospect grades and and the scouts, it seems like they are right. We have never seen somebody with the physical build, with the skill set, with the height that Victor Wimbanyama has. And Draymond Green, shouts out to Draymond Green in the in the Paul George podcast. He said it. Victor Wimanyama has the ability year one to be one of the best rim protectors in basketball because of just the sheer length that he has. And nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, has deterred my thoughts about how good in fact I feel even stronger with saying that Victor Wimanyama will be three four five years from now will be one of the best players in basketball if he stays healthy now again I don't wish injury upon anybody so let's let's hope that that's what happens And you saw, you know, the news about Greg Popovich signing a five-year extension. You, you want to get this right. When, when you have a once-in-a-generational player, for what people call, you'd want to get that right. You don't want an unproven or, or yeah, pretty much an unproven coach coaching somebody like this. You want to when when you draft a player this high, when you draft a generational talent, you want and you need to, for lack of a better term, squeeze the most you can get out of them. Because you know the most you can get out of them is is top tier greatness. I mean, 
they got the they're they're squeezing the most out of Steph Curry. They squeeze they're squeezing the most out of LeBron James. They're squeezing the most out of Kevin Durant. They're squeezing the most out of uh, Nicole Jokic, Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, you know Luka Doncic. You you want the the you need to again. These are players that are kind of considered as generational players. Players that can you may not see. We may never see. Uh, a person with the size and skill set of a of a Nikola Jokic of a not Giannis Antetokounmpo, we will probably never see a shooter as good as Steph Curry. We will probably never see a player had the career and had the longevity and just the greatness that is LeBron James. So what you want to do is you want to get that right. Now, some players are able to supersede that, and some players are able to just perform with whoever. But you don't want them to have to do that. So when you when you sign Greg Popovich, who is argue, or widely known as probably one of, if not the greatest coach in basketball history, you want you you want you you want greatness in greatness. Greatness is well, how much? How do I say this? You want a sure thing around Victor Wimbayama. You don't want one false move, and that false move can be hiring a bad coach or hiring a bad training staff. You do not need that around a player that can ultimately change the direction of your franchise. So I think Victor Wimbayama is going to be incredible. Yes, the concerns that I have for him are still there. And probably won't be dispelled until he gains some weight or until uh, he plays against a one of the premier players in basketball. But Victor Wimiyama is the real deal, man. And it it would be from what what I saw. And and yes, I understand that you don't take a lot. You shouldn't take a lot out of um, the summer league. But one thing that you can take out of is you want to see how a player plays after a bad game. You want to see what a play, what happens when they don't get the calls. Because in college, in overtime, in you know the G League Ignite, they usually get their calls because they're the star players well you're going into a league now where you're surrounded by stars the worst player on a bat on an nba bench is probably one of the greatest players you will ever see on on the street so in the summer league you want to see poise you want to see you want to see domination like if you're a second or third year player playing in the summer league, you should there should be no question. You should be are easily the best player on like the Rockets. Um they had Eason playing. They had Jabari Smith. They should be ten times better than most of the players that you see in the summer league because they have a year in the NBA. You uh, you, you see some of the magic players, you know, it, it that's what you want to that's what you want to see. You can't take a lot, but what you can take is things that are supposed to happen should happen. If you're if you played in the league for 2-3 years, you should be dominating in the summer league. 
Or if you're a top-tier player like a Victor Wamiyama, like a Brandon Miller, like a Scoot Henderson, you should be able to dominate. Or, I'm not going to say dominate, but you should look drastically different than the rest. When when LeBron James, even though I think he played like maybe one or two games in the Summer League, maybe three, when LeBron James was in the Summer League, him, Carmelo Anthony, D-Wade, they look drastically different, obviously. Every star that you see or every star that you've seen that played in the Summer League, I mean, Dwight Howard looked different in the Summer League. Steph Curry. Summer League is different. Nicole Jokic, even though he, you know, he was a second overall pick or second round pick, he looked drastically different in the Summer League. So what I'm just saying is you don't take a lot, but what you do take, things that are supposed to be clear should get cleared up. If you've been in the league for two, three years and you're still in the Summer League, you should dominate. And... I want to see how your poise looks in the in Victor Wimbanyama. I'll say this, and and let's let's let me move on. What I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, I wanted to give my top ten players under twenty five in the NBA. I wanted to do that because. We talk about Victor Wimbiama, and you hear people like Kenny Smith saying in four years he should be the MVP of the league. You hear people saying that he should be a top 10 player already. I'm not going to disrespect the players that are already in the NBA. But what I will say is I do agree with the sense of when you look up and with the skill set that Victor Wimbiama has, he should be one of the best players in the league, not just under 25, like one of the best players in general. In in a few years, if everything comes together the way it should, and if he, I'm not saying he has to win a championship in three, four years, or or whatever. But what I'm saying is, the league is going to look very different in in the next few years. I mean, we don't know how how long LeBron James has. We don't know how long uh, Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors core have. We don't know just how long some of these older players look. So, I mean, we don't know how long KD has. So what I'm saying is the, some of the, the, the names that we have grown up with, some of the names that we know are, are, are names like LeBron, Steph, KD, they may not be here in the next four, five, six years as far as the NBA. So the league is going to look very different. And while, yes, I do agree with the sense that Victor Wimbanyama can very much be one of the best players in the NBA. Right now, I'm I'm going to give my top 10 players under 25, and I'm not going to disrespect the players that are already there. Meaning, Victor Wimbanyama is not going to be on this list, but he has a skill set to be better than a lot of these players. Let's just say that. And let's start. Let me, let me give number 10. Again, these are my top 10 players under 25 right now. Number 10, 10, I have Tyrese Maxey. One of the biggest reasons why you're seeing a lot of the stuff that you're seeing go on in Philly is because of how good Tyrese Maxey is. And no, you don't want to give up a James Harden, but you feel a lot better giving up a James Harden when you have Tyrese Maxey. He 
coming out of Kentucky, nobody really thought he was going to be this good. He he kind of struggled offensively in Kentucky as far as, you know, creating or or jump, creating jump shots and, and his jump shot. But now Tyreek Maxey is one of the fastest players in the league, one of the the most electric players. I mean, you look up and he'll have a 30-point game easy. I'm like, oh, shoot. Like that, that and and when you pair him alongside a Joel Embiid, that is a dynamic duel that the Philadelphia 76ers hope is here for years to come. Which is again, it's it's easier to try to trade James Harden when you know you have Tyrese Maxey. Because if you didn't, I put money. If they didn't have Tyrese Maxey, there's no way in heaven to hell they're trading James Harden. Nowhere. Now they still they still could possibly keep James Harden but that doesn't take away from the fact of Tyreek Maxey is one of the best players under 25 in the league so I have Tyreek Maxey at number 10 I have uh, LaMelo Ball at number 9 <sighs> he is obviously the face of the Charlotte Hornets he is the Charlotte Hornets best player and I we haven't seen it so far because of injuries and just because of just how bad the Charlotte 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 Hornets have been. But Lamelo Ball is a player that you can build a team around, and he is a great starting piece from his assistability or his ability to to see the floor, his ability to shoot the ball. He is a hyper aggressive player. Lamelo Ball is he's one of the more forgotten players now. Hear me out, hear me out. He's one of the more forgotten players in the league because of just how, you know, because of how different, or not different, because of the lack of success that the that other players may have compared to LaMelo Ball. But there's a reason why he was one of the players that got a max rookie extension. He deserves every every penny of it. And moving forward, you don't want to lose a player as good as LaMelo Ball, and that is the Charlotte Hornets. So I have LaMelo Ball at number nine. And number eight, and, I'll, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say that I saw this coming. If anyone really saw this coming outside of Tyrese uh Tyrese Halliburton and his his camp, then you would probably be lying too. But at number eight I have Tyrese Halliburton. Remember, I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you remember the scouting report that came out for Ty, uh, Tyrese Halliburton coming into the league. He had an v- incredibly slow jump shot, and he had a very unorthodox jump shot. He, he wasn't that good offensively in college. He was a lengthy, a lengthy guard that could defend pretty well. That was his build. That was what... The, the, when we when we were talking about Tyrese or Tyrese Halliburton, his ceiling was pretty much a great three and D. Well, a a, a a really good three and D player. You didn't know about the three because of the his jump shot, but when you look up and another player that got a max extension, he deserves every part of it. He was a home run hit in Sacramento, and then that's why it was so shocking that they traded him to Indiana. But he has been a home run hit. Tyrese Halliburton has – he is clearly a cornerstone for a franchise to, to turn the corner. And with his leadership, being an all-star last year, uh, <laughs> I 
I am. Just, it's hard for me to explain because this is something that I never imagined, never thought. Seeing coming, seeing him in college, seeing him come out of college, maybe his first few or first year in in Sacramento, I just thought that he was going to be a really good player. I didn't think that he was going to be a a top tier player in the league, a league, a player that when you talk about some of the cornerstones, when you talk about some of the players to build your franchise around, never thought Tyrese Halliburton's name was going to come up. However. It has. <laughs> and he has played himself into a big contract. He's played himself into being probably the face of Indiana basketball. I mean, or Indiana Pacers basketball. When you think about it, the Pacers have who? They have Buddy Heald. They have Miles Turner, who seems like they've been trying to trade for years now. Uh, Bruce Brown's got there. And you have Tyrese Halliburton. And Tyrese Halliburton, out of all the names I said, is the clear-cut best player. So I have Tyrese Halliburton at number eight. Number seven, I have Trey Young. Now, hear me out. I understand the people that are starting to, starting to click and starting to, to go in the comments saying how crazy I am. Trey Young is such a dynamic score. Let me see. Dynamic shooter. He is one of the best shooters, especially at the guard position in the NBA. He is obviously the face of the Atlanta Hawks basketball, and he is clearly the best player in Atlanta. But the reason why I have him at number seven is because what is his second win? What when he's when he's not scoring? When he's not shooting the ball, what is his second win? He's not that good of a defender. Yes, he can. He's a he's a decent passer, but of course, passing doesn't really come second nature to him. What comes second nature to Trey Young is shooting the ball. Don't get me wrong, man. I'm not here crapping on Trey Young. I'm not here saying Trey Young doesn't deserve all the accolades that he deserves. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is the reason why he's number seven is because he's such a a a one track player to me, but it's, it's a, it's a good shot. Like he's one of the best scorers in basketball, but outside of that, he doesn't do much. And that kind of, that kind of, uh, resembles the Atlanta Hawks. And I guess you can say their lack of success. Um, yeah, they, they, what made it to the playoffs this year and for, or pushed the Boston Celtics to six games. A couple years ago, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but I just just don't, it's hard for me, Trey Young is one of those players that I don't know, I could be, you can kill me if you disagree, you can leave in the comments, it's fine, we'll discuss it, I don't know if Trey Young is a franchise player, I think he's an incredible player. I think that he is a player that can change the fortune of a franchise. I just don't think that if he is your franchise player, I don't think your franchise is a championship caliber team. That's just that's just it. And don't and I know I'm it sounds very harsh and it feels like I'm being harsh, but I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to express I don't I don't I don't know about Trey Young. Trey Young I don't know. But I do understand how good of a player he is, and I understand 
when you talk about the offensive side of the ball, he is a top tier player. So I have him at number seven. All right. This is my first official, or maybe second, but I say first official controversial pick, and that is Zion Williamson at number six. Hear me out. When healthy, and that is one of the biggest reasons why he's number six, because of those two words, when healthy. But when healthy, Zion Williamson is a top one or two player on this list. When healthy, Zion Williamson is a top 10 player in all of basketball. When healthy, Zion Williamson not only is a player that can lead your franchise to the playoffs, but can make a deep playoff run just because of the sheer force that he plays with. When healthy, Zion Williamson is a top tier generational player we talk about there hasn't been many generational players and when when, when we say generational for people that don't know what that means that means there's not many players like them there's really no other players like them they they there there's once in a generation once in a generation that means that in a generation there's only one player like this we've seen that a couple we've seen that with lebron james I feel like we saw that with Kevin Durant. We saw that with uh, probably Giannis, and now Victor Wembanyama. Oh, uh, Zion Williamson and Luke and Victor Wembanyama. You you notice there's a couple of names that are that are top tier names. I didn't say. Zion Williamson is on that list, in my opinion. It's just the win healthy part, which is why I drop him to six, which is to me is very low because he is clearly better than a couple, probably a bunch of people above him. But he just has not been able to stay healthy. And that is the only detriment I have for Zion Williamson. That is that's and, and that should show you just how how good of a player he is that the only reason why he's number six on my list is because he just can't stay healthy. Cannot stay healthy. I hope that definitely changes and I hope that, you know, he's able to really uh really get a handle on his his health. But and I did see him on the uh well no. Yeah. I hope he gets a gets a handle on his health, but um I have Zion Williamson at number six. Just because of that. At number five, I have Anthony Edwards. When we when Anthony Edwards falls into that class where when we talk about the success of teams we like to also talk about the success or lack of success of players. And we attach, of course, which which is it's obvious, we attach the lack of success that the Minnesota Timberwolves have had to an Anthony Edwards, to a Carl Anthony Towns. And I don't think that's right when we when we're talking about a player as good as Anthony Edwards. There's a reason why. Every time we hear about a trade out of no or from Minnesota. Anthony Edwards is never in the trade. It's, he's always an untouchable. 
He's an infectious person. Every he's a great basketball player. He he has he has flashes of top ten, top five caliber players. He is he is good enough. Again, when it's all said and done, he's good enough to be considered a top twenty player in the league right now. And again, in a few years, we don't know what the league is going to look like. Anthony Edwards is great. It's there's really nothing that he can't do. Yeah, maybe his i his shot IQ may maybe could be a little higher, but that usually comes with experience. That comes with playing, you know, in the league for a while. That that comes with having a proper vet, and I don't think that he really has a proper vet in Minnesota. Uh, and when you talk about lack of success, you can really talk about how the team is built. You know, I mean, you have <laughs> you have Carl Anthony Towns playing alongside Rudy Gobert in 2023, and you think that that is uh, the recipe for success, but. Anthony Edwards alone is is a top tier player and doesn't get a lot of respect. It's kind of like those a lot of the Western Conference teams that aren't like mainstream or not mainstream that aren't top top tier teams like a Lakers, like a Golden State, like a Clippers. You don't really see them. Like we don't really watch uh, the the Minnesota Timberwolves and not just the the West. This this every you don't really watch. We don't really see Charlotte Hornets on TV. We don't really see um, the Indiana Pacers on TV. You don't really see those type of players. So you a lot of people don't understand how good a Tyrese Halliburton is. A lot of people don't really understand or realize how good Anthony Edwards is, uh, which is which is very hard to promote at times, but. Anthony Edwards is all that. And there's a reason why he was an all-star this year. There is a reason for it. He just did. Yes, I understand he was a replacement, but they didn't. He he deserved every bit of it. There's a reason why Tyrese Halliburton was an all-star this year. They deserved every bit, bit of it. So at number five, I have Anthony Edwards. All right. Now we're getting to the franchise change players. Number four, I have John Morant. Yes, I understand all the stuff that's going on off the court. But when we just talk about on the court, he is the heart and soul for the Memphis Grizzlies, and he is one of the top-tier players in basketball already. If it wasn't for all the off-the-field or off-the-court incidents, he would be an all-NBA player last year, probably all-NBA first or second team. John Morant is a... He's a generational talent. Well, no, 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 he's not. I'll say he has generational attributes. Like, he jumps out the gym. (laughs) Uh, I would like his shot to be a little better, obviously. Uh, And, again, his decision-making. But but that comes with maturity, and that comes with his age. I mean, he's very young. But uh, John Moran is number four on my list. It's it's very hard to – I mean, we saw the battles that he – that him and the Golden State or him and the Grizzlies had against Golden State last year in the playoffs. Um, even the battles that we saw with a bad hand this year against the Lakers. There's a reason why the Memphis Grizzlies, I think we're like the third going into the playoffs. Uh, 
Uh, it, it, maybe second, maybe fourth. But it was third. So, or second. No, second was uh, the Kings. So, I have John Moran at number four. Again, if 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 you take away, even with the off-the-court incidences that I'm not going to elaborate here, he is a top-tier player now, not just 25 and under, top-tier player. So, I have uh, John Moran at number four. Another player that doesn't get a lot of airtime, of course, because of the team that he plays for, uh, but... If you, you know, a real basketball fan and you and he's his name is starting to catch wind a lot more now in the mainstream. But for number three, I have Shea Gilders Alexander. I th- yeah, first team all NBA. He is he's another player where you knew he was gonna be good while he was in Ken- or while he was at Kentucky, but you just didn't think that he was gonna be this good. I never thought that Shea Gilders Alexander, especially when he was on the Clippers. Well, yes, he was good on the Clippers, but he wasn't all NBA good. Uh, it's, <laughs> I know it's crazy to say, but that trade, and I, I think sometimes it feels like I'm on a hill when I speak on how good Paul George actually is, but it's starting to look more and more like the the Clippers are losing that trade. As far as Paul George for a bunch of draft picks and um, Shea Gilders, because just how good Shea Gilders is. I'll say this. He is so good that you can drop him on the Lakers. You can drop him on the Clippers. If he was on the Clippers right now, they'd be a championship caliber team. In fact, I and you, of course, you had a healthy Kawhi, a healthy Paul George. They would probably be a championship favorite. If you dropped him on the Lakers, they probably would win the championship. If you dropped him on the Celtics, they could be in the championship. That's how good Shea Gilgis is. Um, I, I, there's not much, maybe a little more consistency in his shot, but there's not much improvement that Shea Gilgis needs. That's and he is he is a top tier guard in the league. You can't really name ten guards in the league right now without saying Shea Gilgis' name, and that is a testament to just how good he is. So, I have Shea Gilgis at number three. And number two, I have Jason Tatum. It's Jason Tatum, bro. (laughs) Jason Tatum is the face of the Boston Celtics, and yes, even though the Boston Celtics haven't ultimately won a championship, Jason Tatum has been in, what, three or four uh, Eastern Conference Finals. He's been to one NBA Finals. Jason Tatum has had multiple 50-point games. He had a he had a 50-point or 50 I think he had most points in game 7 history uh with 51. Uh, he had a, he had the most points scored I think in All-Star game history. Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum. And you can you, we you can look at the lack of success for the Boston Celtics. You can say that he may have leadership issues, whatever you want to say, it is what it is. But when we talk about the sheer talent that is Jason Tatum, he is a there's an argument that he's a top ten player in the league right now. That's how good Jason Tatum is. I mean, I think he finished fourth last year in MVP voting. Fourth. <laughs> so I mean, hey. 
the Boston the Boston Celtics are always going to be championship cali- a championship caliber team as long as Jason Tatum's on that team. That's that's just it. So I have Jason Tatum in number two, and number one shouldn't really be a question. It's Luka Doncic. When we talk about top ten and how you can say Jason Tatum's arguably top ten, there's no argument. Luka Doncic is a top ten player in the league right now. Yes, I understand that the Lakers—they didn't even make it to the playoffs last year. Uh, well, he didn't, they didn't make it to the play-in last year. I also understand that Luka Doncic can be better at defense. Um, he can definitely be a better defender, but we talk about um, there's argument. There's people that say that Luka Doncic is the best player in the NBA right now. I'm not one of those people, but I, I'm not mad at you saying that. He is. There's an argument that he's a top five player in the league. That's that's just how good Luka Doncic is. That's how how gifted of a scorer he is, and especially with his height. I think he's what six seven, six seven guard doing what Luka Doncic does. Like it's, yeah. I mean, we know about him and and leading the Dallas Mavericks to the Eastern Conference Finals uh, just a year ago. And I'm interested to see with a full season how he and Kyrie coexist. I don't really think it's a good fit, but just because both of the player, both of them are very ball dominant. But uh, Luka Doncic is number one, and it's a clear cut number one. Like, yes, him and Jason Tatum are closer than Jason Tatum and Shea Gilders, in my opinion. But uh, it's one, and then a good little gap, <laughs> and then it's two. So. My top 10 players under 25 right now is Luka Doncic, number one, Jason Tatum, number two, Shea Gilders-Alexander, John Morant, Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson, Trey Young, Tyrese Halliburton, LaMelo Ball, and Tyrese Maxey. Again, and and I really wanted to do that segment after the Victor Wimbyama because if we look up maybe two, three years from now, if... Victor is not on this list. That's that means he's probably failed somewhere. Some whether it's injury, whether it's just he hasn't. If he has not lived up to his potential, that's a huge problem for not just him but the uh, San Antonio Spurs. But if he is not on that list, I know it was my personal list, but if he is not on that list in two to three years, something has gone wrong. Something has gone drastically wrong. So. That's my list. I I also want to talk about the Hall of Fame. And it seems like the Hall of Fame, or when, when we talk about people's legitimacy in the Hall of Fame, right? It feels like when people talk about who should get in the Hall of Fame, who shouldn't get get in the Hall of Fame, they talk less about what they've done, but how long they've done it. There was an article that came out saying that I think Andrew Luck is soon to be 
eligible for the Hall of Fame, or he is, I think it's like 2024 or something like that. And an argument was sparked about does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? And I I found myself being one of those people as well. One of the people that say, oh, but how long did he do it? Or he didn't do it for that long. I have to take a step back, man, because there's two players I want to talk about. I want to take a step back and, and, and ask myself, okay, yeah, we could talk about longevity, but what did they do? I feel, and it's usually for the Hall of Fame, man. Yes, accolades matter. Accolades definitely matter when we talk about the Hall of Fame. What have you done in X League? What have you done in the NFL? What have you done in the NBA? Can they describe? Or and that's one. That's another thing. I don't remember who said it, but it's. It, it, I I like the saying. Can I talk about the history of the sport? And not men- and not mention you. And if I don't mention you, is there a piece missing? Meaning, you can't talk about the history of football and not mention Tom Brady. At this point, you can't talk about the history of football and not mention Aaron Rodgers. Not mention, you know, uh, Montana. Not mention Elway. Not mention Lawrence Taylor. Those are all-time greats. Those are, of course, players that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Again, all of them are outside of Tom Brady right now, but he is a, he's a clear-cut Hall of Famer. He's arguably the greatest player of all time. When we talk about basketball, you can't talk about the history of basketball without talking about uh, Steph Curry, without talking about LeBron, Michael Jordan, all-time greats. They are going to be in the Hall of Fame. To me, it's not, it doesn't, ha- I, I, and I'm, I'm really just talking to myself. I have to understand that it doesn't, yes, longevity is cool. And, and yes, lo- you know, how long you've done something matters. But it shouldn't be the end all be all because there's people that have done things in a shorter amount of time than people that have done in their entire 20, 30, or 20, 15-year career. And that's where we get to Andrew Luck. The conversation is, should Andrew Luck be in the Hall of Fame? Andrew Luck only played six seasons. However, in those six seasons, he has 23,671 yards, which is fourth all-time. He has a... He averages two hundred or averaged two hundred and seventy five point two passing yards a game. That's third all time. He also has one hundred and seventy one passing touchdowns. That's third all time. Mind you, Andrew Luck retired. Let me give me a second. Andrew Luck retired. Andrew Luck retired in two thousand nineteen. Andrew Luck retired in 2019, meaning 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. He still ranks fourth in passing yards, 
third in passing yards per game and third all time in passing touchdowns. People want to talk about the fact that he only played six years. Well, why did or six seasons? Why did he play six seasons? He played six seasons because he was getting killed. He was getting killed. The, the people don't really talk about just how bad the the the, the, the Indianapolis Colts were. Like they were terrible. They had a terrible offensive line. They had a terrible defense. They they were terrible. Like it's terrible is not even the word. Like they they were terrible to the point where Andrew Luck kept getting hurt so many times because of the the porous the the porous offensive line in bat in football. He kept getting hurt, and even with all that, he led the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC. Mind you, you still have, you know, you still have the Steelers. You still have, you know, the Steelers are really good. The Titans are really good. The Chiefs are really good. You had all these players, all these teams, and Andrew Luck led a team with one of the worst offensive lines in football history to the AFC championship. And he has all those accolades in six seasons. And retired in 2019. So those, those, I mean, look, <laughs> he has more passing yards. He, hold on. He has more passing yards. Give me a second. He has more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers, who was a clear cut Hall of Famer. He has more. Passing touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers. Wait, and he has more passing touchdowns than he has more passing touchdowns than uh, Tom Brady. Look here, I understand that. Um, longevity is important. But that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the end all be all. Because there's no way that you can look at in fact, the only way that you can look at Andrew Luck's resume and really come up with an argument that he's not a Hall of Famer is only because of longevity. Then I would have to ask, well, what's more important? Accolades or what he did? Or his name in the record books? Or playing for 15, 20 years? Andrew Luck deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Again, if he... Imagine what he would have been if he didn't play for a organization that hasn't really been good since him. Again, I'm I'm just going to say these numbers one more time. Andrew Luck, in his first six seasons in the NFL, 2,000 
or no, 23,671 passing yards, fourth all time. 2,000, or no, 275.2 passing yards per game, which is third all time, and 171 passing yards, which is third all time. Behind a terrible offensive line, not that many weapons. I think T.Y. Hilton was like his best weapon. And his body riddled with injuries. So you can, for me, just for me, you can miss me with he is not a Hall of Famer because he hasn't played that long. Another player that's on this list or that is eligible or may deserve to be a Hall of Famer, maybe not, is Cameron Newton. Cameron Newton had two really historic seasons. His rookie year and 2015. Let me just... Oh, no, his rookie year and uh, was it 2000? Yeah, 2015, I'm sorry. So in 2011 and 2015. Now, yes, I understand that he had a longer career, but let me just re- rattle off some numbers for you. Just like I did with Andrew Luck, I'll do that with Cameron Newton. Cameron Newton, Cam Newton, uh, 2015 MVP. Super Bowl appearance, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time first-team All-Pro, 2015 Offensive Player of the Year, 2011 Rookie of the Year, uh, All-Rookie Team. He has the most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in NFL history, most rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a season with 14. He has 194 passing touchdowns. He has 32,000. 382 passing yards, 5,628 career rushing yards. Yeah. Oh, 10 time NFC Player of the Week, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, most combined touchdowns by a rookie in NFL history, most combined yards for a rookie in NFL history were 4,784. Most a uh, first rookie to pass for at least four thousand yards and only make or only rookie to pass for more than four thousand yards and rush for more than seven hundred yards. Whew. This is a long ass list that I'm not about to read all of. Mm, mm, mm. Sixth quarterback to throw uh, for four hundred yards in back to back games. First player to have 30 passing touchdowns and 20 rushing touchdowns in the first two seasons. First player in NFL history with 4,000 passing yards and 500 rushing yards in a season. Only player in history to with 100 rushing yards and five passing touchdowns in a single game. First quarterback in NFL history to rush for 100 yards and pass for 300 yards with Five touchdowns in a single game. 
goes back to the question that was asked. When you talk about the history of the sport, and we talk about African-American quarterbacks, we talk about mobile quarterbacks, we just talk about the quarterback position in general. To me, there's no way that you can talk about the quarterback and how and the evolution of the quarterback and not discuss or leave out Cam Cam Newton's name. I understand how, at least to this point, it's ended for Cam Newton. I understand that he wasn't the most accurate quarterback. I understand that you know success wise, outside of what a couple se- outside of maybe two or three seasons, he didn't have the most success. I also understand, kind of like Andrew Luck, he was riddled with injury because he was taking running back type hits. But like Andrew Luck, we, you have to discuss the greatness that is, or like there's a lot more to this list. First player in NFL history with 50 passing touchdowns and 25 rushing touchdowns his first three seasons. Fastest player to throw for 1,000 yards. Sixth quarterback to throw for 400 yards in back-to-back games. First quarterback in NFL history to pass for 400 yards in the first two career starts. Most passing yards by a quarterback in a debut game, 422. First quarterback in NFL history to win both. The first quarterback in NFL history to win both the NFL Rookie of the Year and NFL MVP. Again, man, and I and, and the thing is again, I was one of these people. We have to stop being so bound to length, pause. <laughs> being so bound to how long a career was. How 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 long somebody did something in their career. Instead, what we should focus on is what they did. There's a reason why Patrick Willis is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. He didn't play that long, but his impact was that impactful. Cameron Newton is a one-of-one player. When we talk about the mobile quarterbacks, when we talk about just African-American quarterbacks – you cannot talk about the history of that of African American quarterbacks and not mention Cam Newton. You can't talk about the history of the quarterback position to this point and what it is today without mentioning Cam Newton. So while no, he never won a Super Bowl. He went there but never won a Super Bowl. While no, he didn't have the longest career, the most you know, his his accuracy was always a question. His injury history was always was always a thing. But what did Cam Newton do? What did Andrew Luck do? And we're talking about two of the greatest two of uh, two players that can be in the conversation for some of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. No, I'm not saying Andrew Luck's the greatest. No, I'm not saying Cameron Newton's the greatest, but they were greatness. And you can in my opinion, you cannot tell the history of the sport, the history of the NFL 
without mentioning Andrew Luck and without mentioning Cam Newton. So in my opinion, it doesn't matter how long they play. It doesn't matter how great they or how long or how great or, or how long their greatness lasted. Cam Newton, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer as well as Andrew Luck. Because, again, there are players that have played longer than both Cam Newton and Andrew Luck that haven't done half as much as Cam Newton and Andrew Luck and will probably find themselves in the Hall of Fame. And there's people in the Hall of Fame that don't have the numbers that Cam Newton or Andrew Luck have for their entire career. Andrew Luck did that in three did this in six seasons. Six. Andrew Luck, uh Cam Newton, yes, he played longer, but these yo again. <laughs> again. The first first player in NFL history to win both the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and NFL MVP. First quarterback. Speaking of Hall of Fame, and let's let's kind of stick with football. I think that and I've talked about this on n- numerous occasions, but let's 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 focus on it. We talked about, this is the golden age of sports. Every we're just, sport it's just greatness all around. And I think that that is a beautiful thing for sports, but I also think that that is a it's it's a challenge for sports because when you look up, we're going to see some great players that probably just if we talk about standalone greatness should deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But when we talk, when you, when you throw in accolades, when you throw in what have they really done, I don't know if they'll make the Hall of Fame. And I was thinking about it. How many Hall of Famers in football, clear-cut Hall of Famers do we have right now? Like, and, and what I mean is if their career ended today, like if they called it quits, if they pulled an Andrew Luck, how many Hall of Famers do we have? And I really think there's only four. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't see that happening for a lot of players, meaning I don't see Lamar Jackson calling it quits tomorrow. I don't see Joe Burrow calling it quits tomorrow. I don't see Nick Bosa calling it quits tomorrow. Josh Allen, you know. So they definitely have time to build that resume up. But in fact... There's five. Five players, I believe, if they call to quits right now, are clear-cut Hall of Famers. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams, A-Rod, and Julio Jones. (laughs) 
Now, again, I think that Lamar Jackson's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, just needs to do more. I think Joe Burrow's good enough to be in the Hall of Fame, just needs to do more. Uh, Josh Allen has a chance. Um, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Like, these players have a shot to do it. And don't get me wrong, I think that they ultimately will end up in the Hall of Fame. But if we're talking about right now, there's only, what, five players. You can argue maybe DeAndre Hopkins. But who, who, like, who else are we arguing here? Jalen Hurts, to me, hasn't done enough. But I think that he ultimately will when it's all said and done if he continues the trajectory. Uh... Travis Kelsey, I think that he he's probably the the if there was a sixth, he'll probably be a sixth. Uh TJ Watt might might be up there. But but who else? Who else? Derrick Henry, he was he wasn't but what has Derrick Henry really done outside of Russia a lot? Let me not. Let me not. Let me not do that. Derrick Henry has been incredible. The only don't problem. I I don't know how much of that has been because he hasn't really played alongside a good quarterback. Um, but and and I'm not taking away from Derrick Henry, but maybe Derrick Henry. If if I'm gonna do seven, I'll do Derrick Henry, and maybe okay. I see. This is why I appreciate you guys. We're talking through this. <laughs> All right. So I have Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams. For people that don't think Trent Williams is a Hall of Fame right now, come on now. What he did for Washington and what he's doing for, come on now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones. Do we want to put TJ Watt in there? Like if TJ Watt ended his career right now, would he be a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. No. No. The only reason why I didn't put J.J. Watt is because he retired. J.J. Watt definitely be in there, but these are active players. Um. Okay, guys, come on, talk, 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 talk me into it. Derrick Henry, one of the greatest rushers of. Yeah, okay, Derrick Henry's in there. Travis Kelsey, yes, Travis Kelsey is probably, arguably, top five tight ends of all time. Uh, anybody else? Um, Nick, no, not Russell, no. So, okay, you guys have talked. We we talked this out. Good, thank you, man. We've we've you've you've had me add two players, two players, Derrick Henry. So right now the list is: Am Chadwick Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, who's still active. Uh. Derrick Henry and Travis Kelsey. Now again, that that speaks to just how great the league is. And how to me it's harder than ever. Cuz cuz again, I didn't say anything about Justin Herbert. I didn't say anything about uh Russell Wilson who I think is going to have a bounce back year. Um I didn't say anything about Deshaun Watson, Jamar Chase, Joe uh, Joe Burrow, um, Lamar Jackson, uh, Tua, Tyreek Hill, 
Stefan Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Minka Parsons, Saquon Barkley, Dexter Lawrence, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin. All those players that I named are Hall of Fame talents. They just haven't done enough, in my opinion, so far. But I'm not, I think that they will do enough by the end of their career. I'm just saying, if they were to retire right now, the only Hall of Famers that I have is Mahomes. No, I mean, right now. Like, if they, if the NFL stopped right now, the only Hall of Famers that I have is Mahomes, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams, Aaron Rodgers, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, and Tyreek Hill. So. And I'm sure somebody who's a fan of another team will get into my comments and tell me why their favorite player or the the best player on their team should be a Hall of Famer. Hey, bring bring that energy here, and we will talk about it. Tell me why Lamar Jackson should be a Hall of Famer right now. And I love Lamar Jackson. Tell me why Joe Burrow should be a Hall of Famer right now or Josh Allen. Let me know. We'll talk about it. Or Matthew Stafford. We'll talk about it. And lastly, before we go, I did want to shout out Brianna Stewart and Nafisa Collier for uh, starting their own league. I think it's called Unrivaled. Uh, this, of course, is a three-on-three league that's going to happen uh, after the WNBA season. It gives women or you know WNBA players, women hoopers, a different avenue outside of um, having to go overseas. We all know what happened to... Uh, why do I keep... Uh, why do I keep forgetting this woman's name? I, I am so, so sorry. Um, we all know that the opportunities for women, especially when we talk about pay, especially when we talk about living wages... In the, in the WNBA is drastically different from the NBA. NBA, some of the worst players in bas- in in the NBA are making more than some of the best players or most of the best players in the WNBA. I understand that you can talk about revenue. I understand that you can talk about uh, bringing in money, whatever you want to talk about. These women are top athletes and deserve to be paid like top athletes. And uh, in a lot of situations, they're not. Especially when we talk about, I mean, I think, I mean, when you look at the top player, I think Steph Curry just next year is making $53 million. Now, that's Steph. Don't get me wrong. I, I get that. But I'm not saying that there's a WNBA player that should be making the same amount as Steph. What I'm saying is when you have players as great as Asia Wilson, um, Breonna Stewart, uh, uh, Jewel Lloyd, when you have players that good, Sabrina Descu, they should be making more than they're making. And a lot of them have to go overseas to play. Um, uh, and, and we have clearly seen how dangerous it is to be overseas. And one, whether you uh, agree with what women should be making or, or, or not, I would hope that the safety of athletes should be a universal thing. And... I think that it is it's great that you're giving 
that Breonna Stewart and Nafisa Collier are, are giving, uh, giving it, giving the players a safer route and an, a better route that you don't have to essentially go to, you know, a, a Russia or go to uh, another country just to play. It's a three-on-three tournament, which is which is pretty fun, uh, and and a one-on-one tournament. So, yeah, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to it. And, and shouts out to Collier and Stewart for uh, putting their money together. I'm sure they're they're gonna get you know uh, groups and maybe NBA players to fund it, but or some NBA players to fund it. They're probably gonna fund most of it themselves. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm excited to see what what, what happens to it and. I'm excited that it just gives women hoopers another avenue to play and a safer avenue so they don't have to leave the country. So um, I don't I don't know. I'm sure that they'll probably be making more, but it's all about the safety and just gives another avenue to, to hoop. And I like that. So, yeah. And there you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. If you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve jokers, the link is in the description below. Add multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every listening. Or <laughs> please subscribe to listening. Please subscribe to every you're watching. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to reach a thousand subscribers. I am so, so close. I appreciate everyone that has helped. Uh, just please subscribe if you haven't. Also, follow the socials. Follow TikTok. Follow Instagram. I post there pretty much daily. Uh, shorts, reels, and everything. So, you know, give me a follow if you can. Uh, and until next time, much love. <laughs>